I think one of my biggest strengths is I truly believe in tripling down on your weaknesses. I believe that we either win or we learn. Failure is quitting or never getting started. So if we don't win, we didn't win for a reason. And instead of pointing the finger, we got to start in turn and say, okay, what could I have done differently? Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. My guest today is Stephen Nally, founder and managing partner of Blackbriar Hotel Group, a uniquely positioned full-service real estate investment company Stephen founded in 2003 that specializes in the acquisition, financing, and management of distressed hotel and resort assets. Stephen is also the author of the book, Relentless Pursuit, which lays out the fundamentals and secrets to chase down and conquer any goals or objectives that you may have. The book shares the foundation and principles that Stephen followed to achieve his success in many different aspects of his life as a non-commissioned officer in the United States Army, all the way through his success as an entrepreneur. Stephen, welcome. Yes, ma'am. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Well, good. An old coach of mine, you'd ask him what, uh, how he was doing, and his response was always, what's the best? <laughs> <laughs> when I was an undergraduate in college, he was a football right. coach. <laughs> what's the best? <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the genesis of your company. Sure. I, I, that's, that's a rather long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the shorter version. Uh, I was in the biotech industry from 1999 to about 2001, uh, doing mergers and acquisitions as well as Salesforce rollouts for biotech companies. And I was absolutely loving what I was doing. Uh, in 2001, the FDA reduced their number of approvals from 126 drug candidates to 17, which essentially made what I was doing not obsolete, but impossible to grow the company mm -hmm. from there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I met a guy. I, I met a guy named Charles Bray. Uh, he owned a very large real estate investment company. And I was having a conversation with him. And he said, you know, Stephen, you've, you're a former hospital administrator. You know, uh, hospital administration and hotel administration, really the same thing. You're renting rooms by the hour or by the day. And you're providing services. And you're billing for those services. Uh, How would you like to come over and partner with us? And at first, I was thinking, well, I'm not doing anything for the next 90 days, you know, because I was actually looking at going back to school to get another doctorate. And I said, okay, well, I'll go do this and just absolutely fell in love with it by the third day. I mean, uh, I love solving problems. I, I, I call it the running on the treadmill theory. I can't run on a treadmill because it's running for time. I have to be able to see something far, far away mm -hmm. and see myself getting closer with every step. Uh, and, and that's the way I saw that industry. There was so much going on. There's acquisitions everywhere. Got to acquire these three deals. Got to develop these two deals. You know, got to got to turn this asset. Got to do this. Got to do I mean, the, the the laundry list was so long of things to do that I could see myself literally working for the rest of my life just to 
to get the to-do list done. And that was something about that that excited me, you know, because what I was doing before is very mundane. Right. What is it about the industry that's so exciting? Because there's a lot of complex industries. Problems. It is a problem industry. You talk to anybody in the hotel industry, they'll tell you that you have a myriad of problems uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Every hotel, I've owned over 200 hotels, I have never received a set of keys. The doors don't lock, meaning that a hotel is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And every guest is a potential problem, which is a good thing because you're providing customer service. So there are those problems. You have liability all around you. Uh, you're having to fill up, if you have a 365 room hotel, you're having to fill up 365 rooms every single day. So the marketing advertising is nonstop. The Mm -hmm. revenue management is nonstop. It's just, it's a very, very competitive industry that really keeps you on your toes if Mm -hmm. you're playing to win. And that, that was the magnet for me was this is something that can keep me busy. So I thought at the time. But that, that was it because before I was essentially, you know, being awarded contracts and fulfilling contracts with a what I call a checklist. I mm-hmm. put the resources together, package the resources, act as a project manager on behalf of my company, and everybody checks in with me. We have a conference call every day. But that was the most of the excitement, man. When I transitioned over to this hotel portfolio that was like 126 hotels, oceanfront hotels, my God, there was a problem every 15 seconds, and I was loving it because I was getting to dissect <laughs> you know, these, these problems and attack them. And that's where the concept relentless pursuit came from. Mm -hmm. It's this just relentless pursuit of solving the problem. I'm not Mm -hmm. problem focused. I mean, tell me the problem once and then I don't want to talk about anymore. I want to talk about how to fix it, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, And that became the love for me, the passion. Even to this day, it's a completely different industry since COVID, but you got yeah. all kind of new problems that nobody's right. ever seen before, right. you know? So it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's just nonstop. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you find your prospective properties? Oh wow! Well, we're we're networked pretty good. My partner uh, Joseph G. Gillespie has 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 been in this business 45, 50 years. So there probably isn't a broker out there that doesn't know that he's transactional. Got it. So a lot of deals that we get are off market, meaning these are assets that mm-hmm. people are talking to various people that they might be interested in doing something creative with because we deal in the distressed hotel, right? Uh, and resort sectors, which means everything we touch is broke, you know? Mm -hmm. So people sometimes are underwater. They owe more than what it's worth. So it requires a creative structure to transact, to to get them out of their hole with the bank, but yet at the same time, get us the deal in the terms that we need to be able to successfully turn it and make money. Uh, But like that. Mm -hmm. Is that the main thing that makes them, qualifies them to be distressed is that they're, you know, they're underwater? Yes. I would say yes, because there's a difference between distressed and, and just flat out broken. Broken means the roof's caved in and it's been closed for five years. Mm-hmm. That, that's And it's a fire hazard. That's that's broken. That's never coming back online. Mm-hmm. Uh, distressed would mean that I can see something when I look at the general ledger or the profit and loss statements or through evaluation uh, where efficiency is not being utilized or the right strategy is not being utilized. So I, I can see the finish line before we even get into talks about how we would acquire it. Mm-hmm. That's what I call distress. Distress is fixable. Right. You know? Yeah. You so know, a lot of times it comes down to leadership. Well, if yeah, very good. You're kind of moving in the right direction where I wanted to go next. Um, what has them? And, and, you know, I always say it starts at the CEO, you know, what did, yep. um, 
Harry Truman had the thing on his desk, the buck stops here. And I think that's unfortunately not always the case with leadership (laughs) around, you know, regardless of the industries and and here, at least here in the country, in the United States. So what, what, what are the issues that have them getting to, to a place of being underwater financially? Well, a lot of times it's this bottom-up management concept, which I don't know anything about, so I can't explain it. It's basically Mm -hmm. where the owner hires a management company. The management company hires a general manager. The general manager hires an assistant general manager. The assistant general manager hires a front desk manager, and nobody's there. Nobody's nobody's there. You know, three four days a week. Nobody's watching. So yeah, that's it. So you know, in a lot of cases, the employees. which the hotel business is very labor intensive. If you have yeah. a 350 room hotel, chances are you have over hundred employees. It's mm-hmm. very labor intensive and the labor really at the bottom, I don't mean the bottom in terms of the pecking order. I'm talking about the, the real foot soldiers that get the job done every day yeah. that are necessary mm-hmm. are kind of cast aside. They don't, they don't feel like they bring any value. They're always scared of losing their job. They feel mm-hmm. expendable because there's no personal, uh, Right. Connection. Our motto is whatever it takes. And, I, and I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. A lot of times, you know, when you buy a business, right, and when you buy a hotel, you're buying a going concern business, everybody's terrified they're getting laid off that day. Mm-hmm. So you hear this transaction is going to happen at midnight. Everybody thinks they're getting laid off. Well, if you just walk into this 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 new acquisition and this new business, right, mm-hmm. and you put all of these people in this gigantic meeting room, right, and the only thing you tell them is, is you're going to fill out new hire paperwork. For now, you'll be in the jobs you're in, and more information will follow later. They're terrified. There's no security. We do it a little bit. We do a little bit different. We bring them in and say, hey, guess what, guys? You guys have done a phenomenal job. We're coming in with a business plan and a strategic plan uh, to fix some of the things that I believe that will make things profitable. But listen, we can't do it without you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then begin to meet with employees one-on-one and begin having conversations with them about how they bring value to the organization and how important they are. And they literally, after the first week of that orientation, I, I believe, walk away from the table thinking, I'm, I'm appreciated. I've worked here 10 years, but finally I'm appreciated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to see ownership. They're going to see the management company. They're going to see the general manager on a daily basis. We have a philosophy which is called management through walking around. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if if you're a junior GM and you just got promoted in my company, you've never been a general manager before. You don't get an office for the first six months. You don't have an office because you don't need to be sitting down. You need mm-hmm. to be in housekeeping. You need to be in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You need to be in banquets, right? You need to be in sales. You need to be in revenue management meetings. Meaning, your office is whatever meeting that you're in, and you need to be touching your staff, you know, mm-hmm. every day. Uh, when I go stay at one of our hotels, I'll go spend, if I'm there three days, I'll spend a half a day in housekeeping, cleaning rooms, you know, because that's another leadership principle I have is that never ask anybody to do anything. You're not willing to do yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And when people see you leading from the front, you know, it, 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 it's inspiring to them, you know, they're thinking, man, this guy, when he, when we met him the first day and he said he was all in, he wasn't kidding. He was all in. So, so therefore, they it. want to be all in. Yeah, they want to mm-hmm. be all in. You know, right. Everybody wants to win, mm-hmm. but without the right leadership, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've seen so many people, or I, I call them friends of mine, that have been promoted uh, into a senior leadership position. And I say, now what? And they say, well, it's lazy days now, man. I got seven, I got seven years till retirement. And I'm thinking, bro, your work's just beginning because your whole organization is going to collapse if you can't find a way to inspire mm-hmm. people. And that's true leading 
communicating. If you run and hide and you take that position that you got a pit bull secretary and she's not letting anybody in or no phone calls are coming to you, I give you six months before I'm buying your company for 10 cents mm-hmm. on the dollar, you know, because you have to lead from the front. You, they, you have to be visible. You know, when COVID first hit, and I want to go off on a tangent, when COVID first hit, everybody in my industry was concerned about the investors because investors were getting ready to take a bath. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was $36 trillion lost in revenue Yeah. Um, right. in, in the first, I think it was the first six months. Yeah. So now you have all these investors wanting to pull out. Well, if you're the CEO of a hotel company, you're spending a lot of time with those investors saying, listen, calm down. We saw this in 9-11. We saw this, you know, 2006 with the recession. It will right. come back and spent no time doing what you and I'm doing right now with the staff at all these assets saying, listen, we're getting information in on a, on a minute by minute basis. We're going to mm-hmm. be having two conference calls a day, getting you information right now. Everything is good. Continue to do what you do. If you need anything, you let us know. If you don't feel well, you let us know whatever that protocol is, but they're seeing your face. Okay. Which is not just a name on a door. They're seeing your face saying, Hey, we're all in this together and we're here to make it work. And you get a lot of mileage that way. But a lot of people don't do that. A lot of leaders, you know, think that, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that they got grandfathered into a position yep. of power. Yep. And yep. that's what they want to they rule from the thumb. Yeah. They, 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 they give a lot of lip service. Let's put it that way. Yes. Right? yes um, and, and I think, you know, this is not, this is not uncommon. I'm not going to call out any specific technology companies, but there's one in mind that I have very, very large and very well known. And if you ask the CEO of that firm, what was even happening three levels below him, he wouldn't have a clue. Right. Because everybody at the top is just so worried about keeping their cushy jobs. Right. That you've got people on the ground, you know, individual contributors, whether it be salespeople or customer success or whatever that might be, just going, you know, they don't have any idea what's going on down here. Right. And they don't, care, and they don't seem to care, which is, you know, why they keep, you know, missing their numbers quarter after quarter after quarter. And Carol, right. those are the types of those are the types of businesses that I buy. Those are the yeah. types of hotels that I buy right. are hotels that I call it the bottom up management, which I can't right. speak intelligent about it because I don't know how it works. I've never right. seen it work. But you show up on a property tour and you've got, you know, a twenty two year old kid that's worked there six months is the one that's giving you the tour and answering all your questions and you're thinking, Are you kidding mm. me? Yeah. Y'all want forty you want forty eight million dollars for this asset and you can't be bothered to come downstairs yep. and meet me? Yep. Oh, I already know what's wrong with this asset. I've already yeah. got this figured out. You right. know what I mean? And where's the general manager? Oh, he's playing golf with uh, you know, a politician today. Well, that's not his job. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not his job. So, Stephen, when, when you are, 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 are the assets that you're, that you're acquiring, are they any of the main hotel brands? Are they franchise brands? Like, you know, who are they? Every, everything, Independence, really? uh, okay. Redline, Radisson, Marriott, Hilton, all so the they'll, they'll have they'll have specific ones that are just doing a horrible job, and instead sure. of them instead of them thinking, well, maybe the leadership is the problem, <laughs> they just dump it at pennies on the dollar. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a whole new model that's 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 hot right now that's happened since COVID. I mean, forty percent of the assets out there are functionally obsolete. Uh, simply because mm. of the time frame that it's going to take to carry them to get back yep. to whatever you right. call normal, which we don't know mm-hmm. what normal is. Right. So now we're looking at taking hotels and converting them to either micro apartments or efficiency apartments to yes. solve the affordable housing crisis. Yeah, that's been because, happening here in Denver. 
So, mm-hmm. so get this statistic, yeah. and this is very fascinating. So to build an apartment complex, you're looking at about $126,000 per door, per room, right? To convert a hotel with the purchase price of the hotel, you're looking at about 40000 a key. Wow, what a difference. To buy it, to renovate yeah. it. So now you can deliver that asset at about six, seven hundred a month. Okay. And it includes all cable Wi Fi utilities mm-hmm. because they're yeah. already wired to the room. And I think that would solve a lot of the affordable housing crisis issues mm-hmm. that we hear about. Uh, so you see a big push with that right now. And, you know, Blackbriar right now has six deals under contract for that specific purpose. Uh, You know, getting to closing is a whole different story because there's a lot of Mm -hmm. wood to chop Mm -hmm. with the local politicians in terms of uh, uh, repurpose and reuse. But uh, we we think that it's it's not only big, it's getting bigger. And and watch what's going to happen with office, all of this Mm -hmm. classy office space that's all over the place since people got comfortable working from home. Those are going to start getting converted, in my opinion, to affordable housing. I've I've, I've talked to a lot of people about that specifically. You know, I get I get regularly spammed by people trying to get me to invest in real estate. And I'm like, are you delusional? (laughs) Like, like. Like, really, do you not see what's going to happen to the office marketplace? It's going to completely right. be converted to something else. Right. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I talked to founder after founder after founder. And you know, by and large, you know, COVID for them was was there was a, the silver lining, which somebody, in fact, recently just said is you know, we had to start. It forced us to start looking outside our geography. Well, you know, given right. where they are in the United States, that's a good thing for them to be able to look outside their geography. If you want right. the best people and, you know, it, listen, right now, talent is very difficult. Great talent is very difficult to acquire. Now, right. the, the reality is not everybody can get an A candidate. They don't have the story to tell, right? right. So, you know, then they have to look at the B-level candidate or the C-level candidate or whatever that might be. But, you know, people just have to start to realize if you are an A company that can't acquire A-level people, you can't just say, well, we're only going to look in Chicago. Right. I mean, there are plenty of people in Chicago, but what if your best guy's in, you know, Washington State or Alabama? Carol, I just had this conversation with somebody Sunday. What's today? Sunday. We're talking about football. And he's saying, man, you know, do the Jacksonville Jaguars, because I'm from Jacksonville, do they suck so bad because it's Jacksonville? I'm like, you act like they just recruit within the city limits of Jacksonville. But imagine if the NFL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball, or any other professional sport could only recruit from the city that they're in. Yeah, right. Imagine how that whole landscape would change because you're not going to be able to pull talent together to win championships the That's way that right. you can now because you can actually go to China and get a basketball player now. You can go to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and get a baseball player, meaning you're recruiting from the whole entire world. So That's the point right. that you make is a great point mm-hmm. that, you know, sports franchises have been seasoned on for years. Like, let's let's go, let's get the best of the best that we can possibly find for the money that we have, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't care where they come from. Yeah, you know, yeah. We That's just a really great analogy, actually. I hadn't actually – I never actually thought about it looking at like it that yep. way. You know, sports teams are the perfect, the perfect uh, yep. example of that. So, so you are a privately held company, correct? Yes, ma'am. Do you, and you have what, about 25 employees? Yes, ma'am. I do so much work in the high tech sector and I'm always interested in things that are outside of tech, but you know, what is it that has, you know, in, in technology, you go to a startup, they're offering you equity. Right. So what are you doing for your employees that, you know, if you look at 
at a strategy to, you know, not only recruit, but, but more importantly, retain, you know, succession strategies, development strategies to keep so that you can get the best people. Well, two two things actually, and and I'm going to start with the second. Uh, we offer the ability to be promoted, and in, in, in I'd say many, almost all cases in the hotel business. If you start off as a front desk clerk, housekeeping, or server mm-hmm. in the bar, guess mm-hmm. what? You're locked into that for 20 years yeah. because no one's really training you to do anything else. So what we have is what's called open training. Any employee in any department can go to another department. Okay, uh, they have to schedule in advance right, to go get on-the-job training when they're not scheduled to work in the other department. So if you're a housekeeper that's making, I'm making this up, uh, depends on what state, but you're making $11 mm-hmm. an hour, okay, mm-hmm. and a front desk clerk's making thirteen fifty. well, you don't have ever have a chance of getting a job right. as a front desk clerk because chances are that's going to be somebody with that experience. But what you can do is go up there and get on-the-job job on the job training. You can learn that job in about 30 days, and mm-hmm. then when an opening becomes available, then you would post for that opening. And what you are is you're promotable. So you have your name in our HR system, mm-hmm. and then you have the promotable, and then all the job classifications that you're promotable to that you went and got that training. A hundred percent of our new general managers are promoted from within. That's another thing. So you can actually go from being a uh, chief engineer, a maintenance a mm-hmm. person that works in maintenance or a person that works in banquets mm-hmm. or a person that works in housekeeping. Mm-hmm. There is a path for you to become the general manager of a hotel. Now, granted, it's not going to be next week or next month. Mm -hmm. It's going to take you about 10 years because you're going to have to occupy Mm -hmm. every position at a hotel. But we offer Mm -hmm. that track. And then Mm -hmm. here's the first thing. Man, you got to do what you say you're going to do. So all that crap I just told you about offering these phenomenal training programs and and you'll be promotable and you you could actually become a general manager. If I never, ever promote anybody, that's all garbage. I mean, that takes about four months for somebody to be sitting there going, hey, wait a minute. I did the training. I'm qualified. Mm-hmm. You know, why didn't I get an interview? So if you're going to say you're going to hire from within and you're going to train people to be promotable so you can promote them because they understand the corporate culture. And let me tell you something. The dumbest thing that I see companies do every single day is lose good people. Yeah, well, You can't yeah. afford to lose good people. If somebody's right. on the same page with your organization, your mission statement, mm-hmm. and your strategic goals, and they're killing it, you cannot afford to lose them over 50 cent an hour or some program that you could have easily matched or you know, a bonus of some vacation or, or, or something. Whatever it is that you can put together to incentivize people to go above and beyond mm-hmm. you right. know, and, and, and get the job done. Right. So that's, that's the way we approach it. From a financial standpoint, it's hard because a lot of these jobs are market driven. If you're a housekeeper in St. Louis, $11 an hour. I don't care what hotel you go to, it's going to be around $11 Mm -hmm. an hour. So you can't really pay $13 an hour for a housekeeper because you'd be bankrupt if you did. But can you you provide other benefits that make up for that difference? Yes, and that's the promotable strategy, meaning I can't pay you thirteen fifty to be a housekeeper, but I can pay you thirteen fifty to be uh, a front desk clerk, and I can pay you sixteen an hour to be a front desk supervisor. Mm-hmm. I can pay you twenty one an hour to be a front desk manager, front office mm-hmm. manager. That's your track. So I can I, I can't give you more money. You're capped at eleven in housekeeping, but I can make sure that every six months you're progressing in this organization and you're earning more and more income and you're getting closer and closer to the objective that you really want. And mm-hmm. like I said, the most important thing is you actually got to do it. You know, I don't remember the last time that we've hired a general manager from outside 
of the company. I mean, it's usually somebody that we've been training that that's mm-hmm. come up. And I tell you, every now and again, it's freaking awesome when I got somebody that's been working with me since 2004, 2005, you know, and I'm able to promote them to a general manager status. And then they tell that story to everybody that I, yeah. I started in housekeeping or I started as a bar back, you know, mm-hmm. and now I'm the general manager of this hotel, meaning we, we, we do what we say we're going to do. You know, which is what we have to do because employees don't want to hear a bunch of crap, man. This is this this is their life. And I look at employees because I once was an employee. I still am an employee, you know, but I don't want somebody BSing me. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you tell me I decided to take this opportunity with you instead of this other company over here because you represented this track for me, but then you closed that door for me. Nah, we don't we don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like yeah, we, we, we want to see you. Right. Be successful. Right. Now, what about Black Briar and your employees? Not your hotel about- employees. Well, I mean, what do you, you know, what is, what is your corporate culture look like? Like I said, do you, you're a privately held company, you know, what, what allows you, those 25 people who work for you, you know, what has them want to come work for you and not go work for a competitor or leave the industry altogether? I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example, which is going to shock a lot of the people listening, but it's true. When COVID hit and we had to, most of our hotels were in blue states, which had mm-hmm. heavy lockdowns. Yep. Uh, we had to close a lot of hotels. We had to lay yep. off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of my 25 employees that were with Blackbriar, uh, the core group, uh, 80% of them kept their jobs at full pay. And I mm-hmm. paid their Great. salaries out of my own mm-hmm. pocket. Out of mm-hmm. my own pocket. Not, mm-hmm. not out of the company's till, out of my own pocket. Now, mm-hmm. that's not the first time I've done that. I did it in 2006 as well, you know, when we hit the real estate meltdown and the recession. Uh, I have people that work for me. Uh, we don't have, you don't, you don't put in a vacation request. Here's the deal. You got a laptop, you got a phone. This is long before COVID. You want to go visit your sister out in California? Just let me know when you're leaving and when you're getting back. All I need you to do is get the work done. So if you can get it done by the phone or the laptop, and every now and again, that gets challenged. I'll call mm-hmm. somebody at two o'clock in the morning because I have to. All right? They they answer the phone, but then again, they may go two weeks without hearing from me, and they can work from anywhere. So this it's funny. This work from home climate, we've been doing this for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You know, so most of the executives within my company do not report to a corporate office because right. the, the commute to me is a waste of time. They know what I look like. I know what they look like, and these people have been with me since two thousand four, two thousand five. You know, but that's the types of things. If you need something, if you have a problem, you know, then mm-hmm. you call me and and I find ways to help you with your personal situations as opposed to say, no, the company comes first. Like, we'll find mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of illnesses, uh, you know, cancer and whatnot. I'm not going to mention any names, mm-hmm. but we've had four people that have passed oh, that have been a part of our organization in the last five years. Uh, and those people that passed were not employees of the company, but spouses of employees mm-hmm. of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our motto on that was, see ya. I'm going to do your job for you. Go away as long as you need to. Do whatever it is that you need mm-hmm. to do. You will not be bothered by anybody or anything. Do not mm-hmm. worry. Your check will still hit the bank account every yep. two weeks. You yep. let me know when you're ready. We had mm-hmm. a general manager in St. Louis that had cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, her FMLA but only, I, th- I think it was 30 days or something. 
She was out six months, man, continued to pay her full salary, even though she wasn't showing up at the hotel. Why? She was such a valuable resource and such a soldier mm -hmm. during the hard times. I'm not right. going to turn my back on an executive that works for my company yeah, simply right. because they, they have a situation they can't control. Mm -hmm. No, we're going to help them with that. That's how you build loyalty when you're loyal to other people. Of course. I mean, that's, you know, that's, you want to talk about a retention strategy? Yep. There's a good one I'm right not gonna, there. I, I will never, ever lose a good employee over something stupid or on what we call principle. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I write yeah. policy. I create mm -hmm. policy. And, it, and I'm not going to enforce a policy that doesn't make sense. And there used to be mm -hmm. a huge argument between me and the human resources department many, many years ago. And it was, yeah, but Stephen, this is the policy. And I'm saying, we're not enforcing a policy. So why do we have it? So, well, the reason we're not enforcing it because it doesn't make sense. Then get rid of it. Right. This is the problem yeah. with HR. They live in a black and white world. Yeah, get, 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 um, get rid of and, the policy. And they don't see any gray area. They just can't. Yeah, they can't think like that. Rewrite a policy that works yeah. for people, man. If mm -hmm. people are unhappy with the PTO days or the vacation strategy or the sick days, redo it. Redo it. Redo the handbook. I mean, send out a questionnaire to every employee in the organization. At one point, we had almost 5,000 employees. Send out a questionnaire to every single employee anonymously and have them put down what they want their vacation and their That's sick right. days and their PTO to look mm -hmm. like. So we give them 14 days. They can choose that as vacation, mm -hmm. PTO, mm -hmm. sick days. They can structure it however they want to. How mm -hmm. do you want to do it? And then we sure. get that feedback. And I'm able to, when we write that new policy, I'm able to stand in front of people and say, you asked this is what you wanted. Yep. Here it is. And here's the vote, man. 1,200 wanted this, 1,500 wanted this. We found a way to incorporate it all. You know, we're here to make sure that our employees are productive, efficient, and above anything else, happy. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's important to me. Stephen, are there are there other companies like Blackbriar that are out buying distressed properties? And, you, you know, like what's the competitive nature of your business? Oh, it's very, very, very competitive. I mean, mm -hmm. there's there's a group. It's like swimming with sharks. Uh, typically, when a hotel starts getting distressed, everybody in my world knows about it. So everybody's talking to everybody and everybody's trying to, you know, get an asset under contract or to move forward. Uh, to somehow or another get an advantage. But I, I don't think we have any competition when it comes to post-acquisition execution. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of competition in getting an asset under contract and ultimately getting it to the closing table. But mm. I think after that, it's us and then everybody else you know, can fight over second and third in terms of our success in the past of actually turning distressed assets. And I'm going to give a disclaimer here. I cheat. OK, I'm not going to acquire a distressed hotel unless I already know the formula to fix it. Well, of course. So, so when I say I never lose, it's not because I'm that good. It's because I understand the problem and I have a solution to the problem. Right. You know, it, if I can't if a hotel is not succeeding because it's it, it doesn't generate enough revenue and it's in a subpar market and I can't see a way to generate more revenue, I'm not acquiring that asset. I'm looking for management inefficiencies. I'm looking for mm -hmm. leadership problems. I'm looking for, sometimes you got all the right people on the bus, but they're in the wrong seats. Sometimes that happens. And you're looking around the room and you're talking to somebody in their front desk clerk and they say, man, I hate this job. You know, and you say, what do you want to do, man? I'd like to be in inside sales. Really? You know, well, hold on a minute. You're talking to a person inside sales says, I hate talking on the phone, man. Mm -hmm. I want to work at the front desk. And you're just able to say, Hey, right. I got an idea. They'll train each other. Like, Let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's get the people in the right seats on the bus. And if you're the general manager, you better be driving the bus because you can't sit in the back with a clipboard. You know, we're not looking for cheerleaders, man. We're looking for coaches, you know? Mm -hmm.
What are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing um, in your business and in the industry? Raising money. Capital is hard to come by. Right? You said it yourself, man. You get pitched on investing in real estate all the time. You're like, everybody right now is talking about putting a lot of money out. People actually yeah. successfully raising some money, but nobody's really deploying capital. It's like everybody's waiting on something. And I say that yeah, something's well, not going to happen. You, you can yeah. sit there and stare at the news 24 hours a day. That thing you're looking for, which is mm -hmm. the two thumbs up, yep, you know, yep, inflation yep. gone. Yep, it, yep. So everybody's kind of holding. So right now you got a lot of deal flow because you'll have a lot of hotels that are functionally obsolete or they're distressed, right? Mm -hmm. But it's raising the money to get those deals done. And a lot of these deals are done by investment banks. They're not done by the Bank of Americas and the Vistars and the Wells right. Fargo's. They're private investment groups mm -hmm. or opportunity funds, pension funds. Uh, and it's just hard to get them to part with money right now for a very risky and, and, and the hotel industry is the taboo of real estate right now. It got hit oh, the hardest, yeah. you know, because the first thing people the had to decide the airline is, industry, I think, yeah. I mean, yes, is a family vacation worth death? I don't know. I, I, I don't think we're going to travel this year. I mean, plus the restrictions, hotels got hammered. There are no conventions right now, even still, right, mm -hmm. which is a big part of the downtown convention yeah. hotels. Yeah. So it's just very, very competitive, and if you do get – a deal under contract, it's very, very difficult to raise and access the money to close it. If you look at if you look at your experience, you know, since since founding the company 18 years ago, where would you say you made some of your biggest mistakes and what did you learn and what did you change and why? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you because the this, top this three. Is, <laughs> uh, well, the, the first one was when I first came into the industry, I told you I was swimming, man. There's problems everywhere. Right. So I'm like a fireman running around with a hose trying to put these yep, fires yep, out. And yep. I realized that people were really taken back by this. Like, I don't think this guy sleeps. And at that time, I was averaging about two hours of sleep a night, yeah, you know, 30 good. days a week. But here's yeah. something I would say when somebody say, hey, I didn't, you know, I said, well, why isn't this done? And they would say, well, you know, because I ran out of time. And I'd say, did you eat last night? Did you sleep? You know, well, yeah. Well, then you had time. There's your time right there. Yeah. Uh, that's the yeah. military guy in me. Yeah, right? you're, you're, yeah, it's exactly what's going through my head. I'm like, yeah, how effective is that in the in the uh, private sector? So what I what <laughs> I realized what I realized was, and that lasted for probably about six months. And the response yeah. that I was getting from people close to me is, "Hey, Stephen, I know everybody knows you're killing yourself because it's not like yeah. I would just say it and go home, right? Everybody knows how hard mm -hmm. you're working, but mm -hmm. listen, man." You know, you, you can't drive may, may, maybe one or two days, but you can't drive everybody this hard. This right. is a marathon, man. You, you're trying to mm -hmm. run a sprint. So mm -hmm. I went back to a lot of the employees that I had taken that position with and said, hey, listen, you're right. It's not about working 22 hours a day, but we got to mm -hmm. learn to be more efficiently, work work smart. More efficiently during this 10 because mm -hmm. we can get a lot more done. So then I started going on this efficiency. I think the second thing uh, that I made the biggest mistake in is – delegating too much. That's why I hate that bottom-up philosophy. So yeah. I would run into, I got 10 problems. I got a room full of executives and I'm like, all right, boom, you, 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 here's right. get this, get that, right? They come back to me. All right, well, we can't get there from here or here's what happened. Uh, and I would get frustrated and I'd say, you know what, if you can't do it, then I'll go do it. But then you got to ask yourself, what do I need you yeah. for? You right. know, this right. is a bit, this is a very, very inexperienced C-level executive in me. Uh, 
that's pushing people like they're, you know, commandos in the United States Army. And once again, backfire. Like, Stephen, you can't tell the guy, hey, I believe in you. You got this. And the very next day, tell him, okay, you don't got it. So now I got to go do it. Um, You know, you got to work through those problems. And what I learned from that is, is that every people can't read my mind. And for some reason, I thought they should be able to. But I have all the data. They don't. So I had to be more of the persuasion after that to say, hey, Mm -hmm. listen, all right, listen, here's how we have to attack this. Do you feel comfortable with this? Do you feel comfortable? Do you need my help? Meaning I'm offering myself as a resource, not as a Mm -hmm. replacement. Hey, you're doing great. This isn't Mm -hmm. easy. Hang in there. And I think the third, uh, I got caught up in the business development craze, uh, I'd say, for about a year, where I'm going out trying to get new business. I'm going out trying to put deals under contract and got farther and farther away from my operations, Mm -hmm. right, only to come back and find that we had slid. We had slid slightly backwards uh, because the same system that was being utilized to get us where we were wasn't being utilized anymore. I said, okay, I'm an, I'm an operations guy at heart. That's my strength. That's my power. I need to stay in that lane. I need to let my partner handle the business development efforts, which is what he does. Um, and our relationship is good that way. He, I don't get involved in business development. He doesn't get involved in operations. Uh, we talk five times a day. Uh, but he's not trying to learn my job. I'm not trying to learn his because that's taken away from the full-time management of everything that's Mm -hmm. happening. So I think those are the three biggest mistakes I made early going Mm -hmm. is simply making that transition from the military world to the civilian world and and thinking that everybody's, you know, a commando, you know, because it is what we would say at regiment, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really great that you recognize that because, of course, you know, doing what I've been doing for so many years, I, I've known this for many, many years. A lot of companies, I mean, listen, if they're specifically looking for somebody to call into federal, you know, right. you may pull somebody right out of the military. But um, by and large, a lot of people who move from the military and go into the private sector really have trouble because yes, it's, this it's is not how the private sector works. You can't just... You know, they haven't signed up to give, you know, nobody has signed up to, you know, give you, give you management over their entire life for X number of years. Yeah. I, I think one of my, I think one of my biggest strengths is I truly believe in tripling down on your weaknesses. I love feedback. Yep. When I yep. see something's not working, like if I'm having an interaction with an employee mm-hmm. and executive and I'm not getting the outcome that I want, I start internally and say, it's me. Okay, so I'm not communicating right. I'm not, I, I must not be explaining this right, or maybe I'm too rigid, right? But I believe that we either win or we learn. Mm-hmm. Failure is quitting or never getting started. So we either Correct. win or we learn. So if we don't win, we didn't win for a reason, you know, and instead of pointing the finger, we got to start internally and say, okay, what could I have done mm-hmm. differently? And, and thank God for that, because I actually was taught that in the military as a commando, meaning that you start inwardly. You have to look at yourself because everybody's an individual leader, right. right, and got used to getting feedback. So, you know, when I kind of stepped off the deep end there, you know, and started blasting people, you know, I didn't get the feedback I wanted. That's like, why are they mm-hmm. demoralized, man? Because normally when I would do this to, you know, another E3 or E4, they get all motivated, start doing push-ups. And now yeah. all of a sudden these people are just breaking down. Well, different world different culture, Absolutely. you know, a di- different mindset. So I learned from it. And, and in the, and, and in, in the world that we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You just, yeah. you know, in the military, you say whatever you want, however you want. And nobody right. really has a choice to say, no, I don't like the way you talk to me. <laughs> yeah. 
well, you can't you can't quit and you can't fire anybody. That, that's, that's a that's whole right. other thing. You know, you, you don't like it, go complain. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Complain to City Hall. Right. Um, when you acquire a property, is it common that you just immediately get rid of whoever the top person is, or do you no. do you no? You give it no. a look, see, and you know, because if that's if if you know, you, you said earlier that that's that's where the problem comes from at the top. So why is it going to be any difference once you take it over? Well, here's why: when we say the top, is it the management company? Is it the owner of the hotel? Uh, a lot a lot of times we look at situations and I'd say probably 20 assets that we've acquired uh, we kept those general managers and those general mm -hmm. managers were very very good general managers because we opened up doors for them you know when you got the owner's wife showing up at the hotel four to five hours a day yelling and screaming at the general manager because her mom's oh luggage God. wasn't carried in fast enough yeah, when the general manager is not allowed to do the job of a general manager. So what we do is I start looking at these things when I start interviewing people prior to acquiring an asset. And mm -hmm. I'm making mm -hmm. I'm making a determination on this general manager. Is is his outcomes based on his lack of knowledge, his lack of leadership, or his hands are tied? Yeah. You know, if I believe his hands are tied, I'll say, Hey, listen, here here's the deal, man. We're gonna we're gonna keep you on ten ninety nine for ninety days. Uh -huh. Right. And we're going to see if you can adapt to our way of doing things. Um, and I would say I've probably only been wrong twice mm -hmm. when I've done that, which is pretty good. I've had a pretty good feeling of what the hamstring issue was, especially when I got the owner constantly bad mouthing me about the general manager. We're in the acquisition process like he hates mm -hmm. this guy. And I'm like and then come to find out, you know. Uh, you know, friend of his stayed the night a year ago and, the, you know, the guy wouldn't give him a refund. I mean, it just I'm making that up, but a myriad of reasons, personal issues. And I'm thinking, man, this guy was successful everywhere he's ever been until he got here. And then this mm -hmm. this this owner is a complete asshole who knows nothing about the business. Okay, I'll give this guy a chance. You know? So we've got about 20 GMs that acquisitions that we did we kept and went on to be phenomenal general managers, you know. Great. But we say leadership at the top. Man, that could be at the bank level, the investment bank level. It could be at the single investor level. It could be at the ownership level. It could be at the property management level, right? It could be at the GM level. I mean, there's many, many, many different layers. Uh, you know, you, you've got a lot of sheep, man, not many lions, you know? Uh, are, you know, is your portfolio in any particular geographies that are all over the United States? Now, I'm fully concentrating on the Northeast. Uh, prior to COVID, man, we were everywhere. We, we were everywhere from Utah out to California, uh, mm -hmm. Montana, Florida, mm -hmm. uh, Connecticut, New York. Um, and that's tough. That's that's tough for me. Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're going into each of these properties and spending time there, I mean, you know, you're never home. Yeah, I've got a I've got a friend that's in the apartment business. He's not in the hotel business, and I'm I'm jealous and envious of him. So he owns 38 apartment facilities, high end apartment facilities in the state of Florida. Yeah. He never leaves the state as long as drive is four hours. I envy this right. guy. Right? He yes. can run his business, be personally involved with a huge operation. His company's worth about 1.6 billion. Right? Mm -hmm. And I wish I had his life. So now mm -hmm. I'm trying to look at that. If I'm going to do these conversions, I'm primarily looking in the Northeast and looking in my backyard, which there's a ton of opportunity in my backyard, right. which I've never looked in my backyard. And that is crazy. I have never looked in my own backyard for deals. Mm -hmm. I just, 
I, I, they just don't come to me. So, you know, in the last year I've started going out there and, you know, looking within a hundred mile radius of, you know, my, my main office and trying to figure out how we facilitate those deals, mm-hmm. you know, what would you say are the biggest opportunities and threats in, in your industry, in the space? The biggest opportunity is the hotel industry has rebounded every single time it's crashed. Right. It's always rebounded stronger than what it was. So if we say that the rebound year is 2024, don't go bet your money on that. That's just my guess. Then 2024 is going to be better than what 2019 was. That is the traditional. If you can hold on, if you mm-hmm. can hold on to your nucleus, if you can hold on to your assets and your resources, and you can get to the other side, there's a lot of money to be made. Now, mm-hmm. here's the downside to what I just said, which is the downside. It may not be 2024. It might be mm-hmm. 2026. So you may spend every dime that you got to get to 2024, and you're bankrupt in 2024 because yeah. it doesn't come back till 2026. So you see a lot of people right now bailing. They're giving assets yeah. back to banks. Uh, banks have balance yeah. sheets. They can carry yeah. them, you know? Right. So uh, I'd, I'd say that's probably the biggest weakness is the unknown, mm-hmm. the, the absolute unknown. And with COVID doing what it's doing, and, and, and to me, I don't approach from a political standpoint. I approach from no. a travel standpoint. Right, of course. You know, hey, cases are down. Hey, guess what? Cases are back up. They're down. They're back up. If you're somebody mm-hmm. looking to travel, you're going, mm-hmm. okay, hold on a minute. Are they up? Are they down? What's going on? Yep. I, I, yep. You know, I'm vaccinated, but people are getting COVID that are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I how does that work? You know, it's really not worth it. Because, the, vac- to- right, because the vaccination is not 100% effective. The so, idea is for it to keep you out of the hospital or keep you from dying when you get, yeah, you so, get it, get a break. So, so it doesn't make any uh, and sense. And I know for me people to- who've gotten breakthrough cases. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't make any sense for me to get on a plane and, 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 sure. and fly to California to go look at a deal. Uh, right. To take all of that risk, and and the biggest risk is what if I get the deal, and then they mm-hmm. do another lockdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they do another lockdown. I have a friend that closed on a seven hundred fifty room hotel, and the next day, oh, my he God. had to close. So literally, one hundred twenty million dollar acquisition. That hotel still is not open. Uh, There's the risk. There right. is the biggest risk that you're you're right. limited right. to politicians. Uh, yep. who make the decision as to whether or not there's lockdowns or what the mandates Based are. Based on politics, not on science. Yes. So <laughs> Often. You, you can go out there and write that big check if you want to, yeah, but there's right. no guarantee what tomorrow no. holds. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, That's I mean, but, but you know, is that any different than uh, putting your money in the stock market? It's all, it's, all, it's all gambling. But I don't put my money in the stock market. Well, I understand that, but but yeah. it's just, it's it's yeah. you know that's what I'm hearing from you, right? right. People are not willing to gamble, so right. you know you, you don't want to go to Vegas and gamble. You don't want to do this. It, you know you don't want to put money in the stock market. The stock market is so high. You know I yeah. I you know I you have to look at what you know what's the amount of risk I'm willing to take as a gambler. Right. To look at it in its it's you know sort of most simplest form, right? And it used to be you'd look at somebody's track record. Like if you, if I was, if I wanted you to invest in a platform that, that I was putting together, I'm able to show you all the way back to 2003, every asset I've ever acquired, the disposition of those assets, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but none of that matters anymore post 2020 because Mm -hmm. throw all that garbage out the window because you didn't have COVID and lockdowns prior to that. So the fact that you generated 18% returns means nothing because you might have somebody to write a check for 50, 60 million dollars and the asset gets forced to close the next day. And guess what? You still, this is the thing about owning real estate. 
Right. When the lockdowns happen and everybody went home, mm-hmm. you don't get to just go home. You still have to provide full-time maintenance staff because you right. have chillers, bowlers, right. you have safety hazards, mm-hmm. liability, you have vagrant situations. So you're paying security, maintenance. You're dropping a good eighty, ninety thousand 90000 a month just to have that thing sit there closed, not mm-hmm. knowing when it will ever change again, when it will be able to reopen. And even if it does reopen, how are you going to get it going? I'm looking at a deal right now in New York City. You know, they had a call about, and they said, Stephen, this thing's a gold mine. It's shut down right now. It's ready to reopen. You could come in and buy this thing for $0.60 cent on the dollar. I said, here's the thing, $0.60 cent on what dollar? Because it's not worth $0.60 cent of what it was worth, you know, mm-hmm. on the dollar in 2019. That's number one. Number two, who says I'm going to be able to reopen it? Well, no, Stephen, you can open up the hotel. No, no, this is New York City we're talking about, guy. Okay? <laughs> have you been to New York City? Like, I'm going to have to go. <laughs> not lately. Move heaven and earth to get that asset open, and all I need is one case, one person to yeah. have COVID, and it shuts back down. I'm 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 not interested. And they're like, dude, you could right. make 30, 40 million on this deal. I said, no, I could lose 30 or 40 million on this deal. Mm-hmm. I just, to, prior mm-hmm. to 2019, I'd have got on a plane right then, went and put that asset under contract because of what mm-hmm. it is. Now, like, I don't know, man. Right. I'm not looking to lose money. Right. You know? well, no one is. What what's right. what's the value of your portfolio right now, Stephen? Are you willing uh, to I'd, I'd rather not answer that question, but I'll tell you that it's 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 north of a half a billion. Okay. Uh, in assets and value, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't I, I I don't know what the liquidity is. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, liquidity is something that hey, there's another thing. If you have a balance sheet with assets on it, you're updating that thing twice a day because it's changing. It's changing every day, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what the liquidity is, but I, I would say that the net value is probably north of, or the gross value is probably north of a half a billion. Mm-hmm. If somebody were to to reach out to you and say that was thinking about getting into your business, what kind of advice would you give them? It happens every day, you know. It's funny. You play Monopoly as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're playing Monopoly. First, you buy the houses, and then you buy the hotels, right? That's that's the big step is to get the hotels. Everybody that's gone out there and made money in real estate at some point or another said, okay, now we got to move into hotels. It's fraught with danger. It, it, yeah. you, you have to know what you're doing. It's a very unique business. There's no other business like in the world. If you do not understand that business, okay, you will get robbed in that business yeah. because yeah. you don't know what's going on. And some people say, yeah, but I just hire a management company to manage it. Yeah, but if you don't know what they're doing, if you don't understand uh, the movements yeah, they're making, I the know. decisions they're making, so I would say proceed with caution. Now, if you've got mm-hmm. money and you want to move into that sector, find you an operating partner. Find you somebody that you can get comfortable with, that you can partner with, that does understand how to operate those mm-hmm. types of businesses and, and, and partner with them. Because that's how I got started in the business as, a, as an operating partner. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 my strength. You know, but I wouldn't go at it alone, man. I've seen too many uh so, what do you call them? Family offices decide, hey, let's 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 buy some luxury hotels, and it's a nightmare. Let's hire somebody to run it. Yeah, I, I, you know, one of my girlfriends, uh, her son just took over um, uh, a lease from a friend of his in an apartment, and as they were signing the new lease, when the lease expired to come up for him to actually have the lease, it, it, you know, they, they've got some idiot real estate firm running it. Yeah, some, and and the the. You know, she and I had lunch with him a few weeks ago, and this poor kid, I kept thinking, he'd, he'd been dealing with this for three weeks. Right. 
you know, the, the, the person managing it, the realtor won't answer the phone calls and then she won't allow her assistant to, to, you know, take care of things for him. I'm thinking to myself, who's the idiot that's, that's thinking that this is a good idea to do right. business like this. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But people do it every, Hey, but you know what, Carol, if it wasn't for people like that, then I wouldn't have a business <laughs> because everybody would be succeeding. Yeah, well, you know, you know with, with that, I think that's a pretty good way to uh, to conclude this. So, yeah. if somebody if somebody listening to this says this Black Briar, you know, group sounds pretty interesting, I'd be interested in investigating. You know, maybe working for you. What 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 should they do? Well, you can reach out to me at blackbriarus.com. You can contact me uh, through there. All of my contact information is there, or you can reach me at stevenalley.com, which is my personal page. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I, I'm open to talk to anybody because I love talking about business. See, I enjoy sure. what you and I are doing right now. Yeah, uh, I do too. You'd be amazed at how many calls I will take. Just somebody saying, hey, I, I have some level of interest because I'm thinking this may be somebody I may be able to do business with somewhere down the road, or it might be somebody I want to bring into my organization. Right. You know, or maybe you're just doing a mitzvah. Yeah. You're just doing a good deed. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I think there's that third category, at least where I sit, there is that third category. Right. I think, I think, yes. Am I, well, can I do business with this person? Maybe down the road. Um, am I interested in bringing them into my company? Maybe down the road. But I think most importantly is what you can give to other people. Right. And it's not that you should spend, you know, your entire workday doing that. But if somebody wants to get together with me, I mean, I make time for those calls a couple of times a week. Right. Because I think it's important to do that. I think it's important to give back. Those of us who've learned, who've been successful, it's really important to give back to people who are, who are reaching out to just learn. Yeah, and if there weren't people like yeah. that that existed, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now because that's actually how I transition to doing what I'm doing right now is somebody mm -hmm. you know, being a billionaire and, 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 yep. and actually making the time to sit down and talk to me about mm -hmm. what's going on in the world and how to make a transition. Uh, and, and I always appreciated that. And I've got tons of people like that in my life that, that I call when I'm jammed up or I can't think of a, a solution to a problem. And the more right. heads that you put together, the more ideas you're going to generate, you know? Right. Yeah, I do. Well, Stephen Nally, founder and managing partner of Black Briar Hotel Group. It's really been a delight to talk to you and I sure appreciate your time. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.